Following the uh, January 6th riot on the U.S. Capitol, former President Donald Trump was banned from multiple social media platforms, including Facebook, for inciting and encouraging acts of violence to his followers. Last Wednesday, Facebook's quasi-independent oversight board upheld the the, uh, giant's decision to suspend Trump with Facebook's VP of Global Affairs and Communications, Nick Clegg, thanking the board for, quote, recognizing the unprecedented circumstances that led to their exceptional measures. This did not sit well with the Republicans and right-wing media outlets, says once again, they say the move is biased against conservatives and that tech companies are working against them. So to give us more analysis on the board's decision and the kind of overall landscape for social media and this very more extreme and polarized political discourse, we're pleased to be joined by New York University Social Media and Political Participation Lab at New York City, co-director as well as professor of politics, Professor Joshua Tucker on the line. Hello. Hi, Henry. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining us, Professor. So uh, this oversight board, um, it felt like a decision that um, not everybody was completely satisfied with, perhaps not as much clarity uh, given uh, as well. uh, But they did, at the end of the day, the the big headline coming out of it is that the suspension remains in place. Uh, Were you um, surprised by this decision? What was your reaction? Yeah, it's it's a good question. I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a legal scholar, so I, I can't really begin to get into the legal components of this. I think most people were expecting, based on the board's previous rulings, mm-hmm. that they would have overruled Facebook. So mm-hmm. in the in the lead up to it, we were thinking about a world where Trump was back on Facebook, but he wasn't on Twitter. Uh, so I guess there was a bit of a surprise in that regard with the decision. Um, but as you as you rightly note, it's kind of a non-decision decision, right? In the sense that they didn't uphold what Facebook had done, but at the same rep- in the same uh, sense, they didn't overturn what Facebook had done. And they did basically sort of, it, it, I guess, kind of criticize Facebook itself for this sort of murky way of saying this indefinite ban is not really an appropriate policy. Either you, you ban them permanently or you, you have a set period of of time in doing this, it, obviously it's not necessarily something that you can compare with precedent because we're dealing with the president of the United States and we're dealing with such a controversial figure. Uh, do you feel that this ruling itself um, provides some kind of precedent going forward? Yeah, I mean, it does in the sense that like, it clearly gave Facebook a slap on the wrist from its oversight board for what it had done in the case of just having this sort of indefinite ban. So I think in the sort of small sense of what it, what precedent it could set is that you you won't you won't see Facebook making these kind of indefinite bans again. So it's it's put some boundaries on what Facebook is going to do. So what you will probably have to see is Facebook either giving permanent suspensions in the future or giving more time-delineated suspensions in the future. It also means that they're going to need, you know, I think Facebook looking down the road at the oversight board is going to feel a need to, to provide a little bit more justification for what it's doing, which is most likely probably quite a good thing, you know, to get more transparency in what Facebook's doing. But as you rightly note, this was an incredibly exceptional situation in that it was a sitting president of the United States in the aftermath of the U.S. election. So, I, I think it may be expecting too much to think this sets precedent for widespread use of how of how Facebook is going to rule right. in these cases. It may set some precedent for other sort of national leaders should these kind of things come up again uh, in other cases in other countries. So hypothetically, if um, 
if 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 Joe Biden loses the 2024 election and he riles up his base and and they attack uh, and they storm the the White House, um, that could probably be maybe where you can refer to this Donald Trump decision, right? I mean, that's that's pretty hypothetical situation, but I'm thinking more about in other countries, right? There okay. might be a okay. case in, right. in Brazil right. with Bolsonaro or something like that, where they might point to what was it's been done here. That might be considered, this might be considered precedent for how you deal with a sitting head of state or something like that. But I wouldn't overstate what it's going to mean in other yeah, countries. Yeah, yeah. And it, of, of course, uh, it was more of a tongue-in-cheek example, but it does yeah, highlight... Yeah, no. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it does highlight the anger that we're hearing now from, from the right wing. They feel they've been shut out. Um, they've been one by one deplatformed. They're they're more conservative, content, uh, contentious figures like Alex Jones, um, what have you, uh, and they feel that uh, companies like Facebook basically have it out for them and are targeting them with an anti-conservative virus uh, a bias. Do you do you uh, agree? Is there validity to their claims? So I think we, you have to unpack the use of the word bias here, right? Because what bias bias means is that these policies would be being implemented unfairly. And in particular, when you want to talk about a political bias, it means independent of the criteria on which the policy is supposed to be implemented, it's implemented differently for people on the right wing than it is for people on the left wing. Now, that's a technical definition of what bias is. But if you ask someone on the street, you ask the average person, what does it mean for Facebook to be biased? Or what does it mean not to be biased? They'd probably say, well, if you're going to kick off Democrats, you have to do that 50 percent of the time and you kick off Republicans 50 percent of the time. Or if you're going to say people are hate flags for hate speech, it has to be anti right wing hate speech 50 percent of the time, anti left wing hate speech 50 percent of the time. But that's actually not the definition of bias. Right. If it turns out that Republicans are breaking Facebook's terms of service um, in this particular case, spreading lies about the election. Right. If they're doing it 80 percent of the time and people on the left are doing it 20 percent of the time, then actually what it would mean to not be biased would be to remove Republicans 80 percent of the time and remove Democrats 20 percent of the time. Right. A biased policy in that case would be 10 percent of the time Democrats or alternatively 30 percent of the time Democrats. Right. But the problem and this has always been the problem for the platforms is that intuitively we think of not being biased as 50 50. But we know from study, we know from, you know, rigorous scientific analysis has been done through 2016 and in the years coming after this, that in these particular cases, first with things like hate speech, then with things like the spreading of fake news, and in this particular case, with spreading false information about the elections, it's not equally coming from the left and the right. And this puts the platforms in a bind, because in order to not be biased, not to have ideology weigh into their decision making, they need to be removing more content from that's pro-right or pro-Trump than they are removing content that's anti-Trump. And it makes the platforms look to average people like they're not being even handed, when in reality, if the underlying production of the material that's violating the policies is not evenly distributed across the political spectrum, then being even handed is not the answer to being not biased. Being not biased is removing content when there's more content that needs to be removed. I hope that's clear. You no, know, no, that is, and it's it's a great point. Uh, the, the argument a lot a lot of liberals say is that if anything, Facebook bent over backwards to try to appear like they were kind of threading it right down the middle, and even uh, to a lesser extent, Twitter as well, where uh, there were numerous violations of terms of service uh, with not just Trump, but other prominent right-wing figures that kind of got overlooked because of the fact that uh, perhaps there was a little bit of hesitation that 
They didn't want that right-wing backlash to occur. It was just only until there wasn't a violent insurrection that uh, almost, uh, I guess, completely destroyed American democracy that uh, Facebook decided that they had to step in. Right. And I mean, and, you know, and obviously we don't want to be sympathetic to a company that's making billions and billions of dollars or doing quite well in many regards. But it is, you said, it is a tough needle to thread because that very being, if there's more bad stuff being produced on one side of the political spectrum than the other side, then being even handed itself is biased. And so there's that problem. There's a second issue here, right, of course, which is the larger question about this issue of private companies getting involved in regulating political speech. So I think there's, A, the underlying problem of the Alex Joneses of the world, mm-hmm. right, uh, just sort of like non-public figures, non well, I guess Jones is a public figure, but non-elected right, figures, right. non-politicians who are violating policies. But then there's a larger question of, as you said, like, do you give, are you in a position where you need to give additional leeway to people who are elected officials Hmm. precisely because you don't want to be seen as a private company that's interfering in the political debate in the country? And I think that is the world that sort of Facebook and Twitter, you know, had we been having this interview six months ago, I would be sitting here going, God, they're never going to bump, you know, they're never going to ban Donald Trump because it's too big a step to take precisely because of this reason that right. Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and other platforms in other countries okay. have become, are in this really weird position of being integral to the political process, Professor, but also okay. being private companies. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to leave it there, but thank you so much for all of that. And hopefully we can get another time uh, to be able to talk once more on this issue. Sure, we'd be happy to do so. Thanks thank so you. much for having thank me. Thank you. On. That was Professor Joshua okay, Tucker. We're moving on to the second hour after this.